You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. Today we're going to hear from Kylie Davy. Have you ever wondered what it's like to run behind a wheelchair? Well, today in this episode, Kylie's going to share the inspiring journey that her and her daughter Veronica have been on. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am delighted to introduce you all to Kylie Davy, all the way from Hobart. Hi, <laughs> Kylie. How are you? Good. Yeah, good. Thank you. How are you? Great, thank you. Thanks for joining us. I'm um, I'm in Melbourne holidays, as I was just telling you, and uh, it's really hot here. So <laughs> I think it's hot in Tassie too at the moment. I heard. Yeah, it was really hot yesterday. Not as hot today. That's good. I thought yeah. it's kind of a. Whew. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we'll probably hear some of those uh, sort of me trying to cool down all the way through the podcast today. Um. All right, let's start with, so I've, I've never met you in person. We have some mutual friends. Thank you, Facebook, yeah. for telling me that as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I don't know anything about your background whatsoever, so I'm really excited to learn more about you. Yeah. Let's start with where you grew up. So I grew up on Hobart's eastern shore um, in a little suburb called Lauderdale. Um, yeah, so I lived there for the first, I think we moved when I was about 18 or 19. Oh, wow. We moved up to Howrah, so we grew up living on the beach pretty much yeah we're straight across from the beach so we'd spend all our summer going to the beach and after school bike riding and oh wow it's a very Aussie sort of what you would think of you know especially people who aren't Australian think of as Australian um, (laughs) yeah except for kangaroos in the street yeah 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 did you have kangaroos in the street no, we didn't, but we do now. Oh, we've oh, got wallabies, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I have kangaroos in my street <laughs> where I live in Tassie. Yeah. Um, all right, so you went to school there obviously as well. What was school like for you when it comes to sport? Did you like it? Did you enjoy sport? Um, I loved sport at school. Um, yeah. I In primary school I played in, because this is going back to the 80s um, and there was no girls um, cricket team or soccer team so I played in the boys cricket team and soccer team for primary school um, and my mum said no to football <laughs> she's like no you're already in the soccer and the cricket team so I loved the team sports and then through high school I got more into basketball netball and badminton oh wow you were yeah. all over everything yeah yeah yes very different sports so. so your parents were obviously very supportive of you being a sporty kid yeah, I had um, an older brother or I have an older brother and a younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so every weekend the boys and dad and I would go off to soccer for the day. So we all played soccer. Oh, yeah. Wow. So that was every Saturday. I remember all through my childhood growing up. Yeah, it was so fantastic. It, it was something you really wanted to do. You know how sometimes there are kids yeah. who are like, oh, no, I don't really want to do this. But the parents are like, well, you signed up to soccer, so now you have to go to soccer until the end of the season or whatever. It, it wasn't anything. Yeah, no. Nah. Like that for you? No, I loved it. Absolutely mm. loved it. So, and the boys just treated me as one of the players on the team, which was great. They didn't you, be gentle yeah. on me because I was a girl. Yeah, yeah. Which is and how you it weren't gentle be. on them either, I suppose. No. <laughs> 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 All 
what was it do you think that you that you really enjoyed about it? I think just the sportsmanship yeah. and the being involved in a team sport. Yeah. Um, not so much the strategy or the tactics or the winning, but getting mm-hmm. out there and socialising and having fun. Yeah, and sort of making things happen as a team rather than yeah. the, than the yeah. other. And my dad often coached and he was a really fair coach in that he wouldn't put, you know how some coaches like if you're the best you play every game. Mm. My dad was very equitable so every player on the team got the same amount of time on the ground, oh, that was which a- was great, yeah. 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 Uh, so, so at school, like I often ask people, what the you know the things that we have to do at school, uh, which is running, even if you don't like to run, yeah. people have to. But I, I assume that wasn't something that was a problem for you, as in you probably weren't unhappy. Ooh, the internet's do... just cut out. Well, have it's you got the catches up? Oh. There we go. <laughs> so I, I think this the the video stopped. Yeah, the internet just cut out. I'm back. Oh, excellent. I could still yes. um, I could yeah. still see you. Um. Anyway, um, so at school, did you like to run? Was that a thing that you liked to do? I hated it. Oh, you did? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I didn't enjoy um, the running at the athletics carnivals or the cross yeah. country. I didn't particularly enjoy it. So yeah. I did it because you had to. Um, I'd ra- I think it was the more the team sports. It was just running shorter distances. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. Do you- yeah. Could it have been anything to do with being an individual sort of sport too? You know, it's kind of yeah, like probably. You, yeah. you're on, I don't know how to say that, you're on the, everyone's looking at you and it's what you yeah. do alone as opposed to, you know, if you're in a team, team. you're kind of a part of something that's happening. Um, yes. Yeah, if that makes sense, rather than, you know, having to, you know, do it individually and, and have people watching you and yeah. perform or not perform doesn't really matter that much but yeah there's nowhere to even hide <laughs> yeah not the right way to put it but yeah there is quite a difference between individual sport and, and uh, team sports isn't there and yeah there is and yeah. how you feel about it mm. yeah oh, that's interesting so cross country as well wasn't something you went oh goody cross country this no um, it didn't really float my boat so oh, wow. oh, that's interesting yeah. which is funny now <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. it is funny now because I'm sure. Yeah. We're gonna, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at you on video in your running clothes. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and then as an adult, when I left school, I played team netball and basketball. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was quite funny because I always, I'm tall, so I'd always play yeah. goalkeeper or goal shooter. So I didn't yeah. have to run any more than I did. <laughs> So really, like what I'm hearing, or just you know, just from this little bit of conversation we've already had, is relationships with people and that you know that kind yeah. of team thing, as we keep saying, is, has been a really important part of your yeah. sporting, and not to mention, I guess, your life. Really, yeah. yeah, it's hard to separate all those things. Actually, we know, yeah. yeah, that's we're not all different compartments. We're actually a mixture of it all put together, aren't we? Yeah. Um. All right. So so you're at school. You're very much into team sports, um, especially ones where um, there's not so many female teams. But <laughs> yep. really happy to do it in the mixed um, environment as well, which is really cool. Uh, what did you do when you left school? What was your path after school? As in um, study career-wise? Study or, or work or, yeah, so you said you were 18 when you moved. Would You have just yeah, finished so we, did you 
finish year 11, 12? And then... Yeah, I did. I finished year 11 and 12 and then I went on a gap year, which yep. turned into about 20-something years, <laughs> as it does. <laughs> um, I was working at McDonald's at the time. Oh, and wow. my boss, my boss there said if I wanted a full-time job for the year, then let him know. Yeah. Um, so I took that opportunity and by the end of the year I was a manager. Wow. So I just kind of stayed in that job for, that was eight years. Oh, my gosh. Which I loved, um, the fast pace and, again, yeah. being part of a team. Yeah. Um, and then I went and worked for, you're Tasmanian, so you know Banjos. I do know Banjos, yeah. Yeah, so I went and worked for them from 99 till 2000 and I left there in 2016. Oh, wow. So that yeah. kind of fast food, that's, well, a baker is not so yeah. fast food, but that, that management was, of, I guess, retail food. Yep. I don't know how you would better know how to put that than me. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, retail food cafes kind of. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and all down in Hobart sort of areas? Yes. Yeah. 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 Banjo's I worked in quite a few different shops depending yeah. on where the need was. So I started yeah. in Hobart and then went to Rosny to manage that. Oh, wow. Spent some time at Lindisfarne and then ended up in Shoreline. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what are you doing now when it comes to it? Um, um, we'll get into this in a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I have just finished working as a teacher assistant. Um, yeah. So I did my TA certificate back in 2015 and got uh-huh. a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then following that, I did a Cert 3 in disability and mm-hmm. the teacher in that said I should have been teaching the class not studying it so they asked me to do my training and assessing certificate Mm -hmm. so I did that Um, and I've been teaching at TAFE for the last two years and working as a teacher assistant Um, and in my spare time I've been studying to become a teacher of course a primary school teacher yeah spare time Yes, yes, I've been at um, uni, um, so I'm kind of, I had to leave both my jobs at the end of this year because I've been offered a spot in the teacher intern program, which is through UTAS and the um, Professional Learning Institute for Department of Education. So how does that work? Tell me how that um, works. So I'll be full-time in a school, Mm -hmm. um, two days on class and three days to Mm -hmm. study. Um, And you get a scholarship as part of it to help. With that, wow. which is fantastic. Yeah, so That's I'll be mentored amazing. by a um, teacher who's been an experienced teacher, so she'll mm-hmm. mentor me for my final year of uni yeah. and teach me all things that I need to know from the teaching mm-hmm. perspective of schools. Yeah. And then at the end of that, um, assuming I'll graduate, which I'm planning on, I will be offered oh, a yeah. permanent position with Department of Education at the school oh. I do my internship in. And do you know what school that is yet? Is that- I do, yeah, yeah. So it's up in the Derwent Valley, which will be beautiful. Oh. One of my friends' mums lives up there, so she's mm-hmm. told me all the best places to run and get coffee. <laughs> well, that's it then. You're yeah. sorted. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is probably the quickest I've gone from, uh, you know, where you were born to, <laughs> yes. to what you're doing now. But that's really cool. I love that progression. I, You know, when we come out of school, it's such a um, – we think it's going to be a linear thing. You know, we're going to go off and we're going to be a teacher or a doctor or a nurse or a vet or a fireman or whatever it is, um, yeah. and that's it, you know. But actually life very rarely is that it actually it. It's, it's yeah. especially these days. You know, I can't yeah. even tell you how many careers I've had, including primary school teaching. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. um, it, it's just, a, yeah, we zigzag a bit, don't we? I think I've seen we one do, of those yeah. pictures where they had um, like a big 
scribble on a piece of paper, yep. which seemed to go almost nowhere. I think that's mm. actually the, the trajectory of our lives tend to be like when we yep. you know, go and explore lots of things and our lives, um, they put it, things change as we go through our life yeah. and points us in different directions and we become, you know, more passionate about other things and which we will get into, you know, about why you chose to do those things um, yep. in the path the way you have. But let's go back, back a yeah. bit. <laughs> um, so you, when did you start running? Or did, I assume you said you were still doing sport, team sports, when you left, yes. um, was it Lauderdale? Yeah, so I was doing team sports then as an adult when I was working at Maccas. Mm -hmm. I was in, I think it was either three or four netball and basketball teams because of the shifts I worked. Um, You couldn't commit to playing every week. So I figured if I joined up three or four teams, then at least I'd get a couple of games a week. (laughs) And all the teams I played with were fantastic around my work rosters, which was good. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, so I, I did that and then back in... I was 20, how old was I? 25, 26, mm-hmm. and I um, got the best intercept in netball in the semifinal wow. and landed and snapped my knee. No. Yeah, oh. yeah. so I, I dislocated it and heard it yeah. snap. Yeah. Um, and, sh- sh- yeah, shredded my ACL, mm-hmm. um, popped up into emergency after the game that we won and let them know that we're in the grand final and I needed to be right to play the following week. <laughs> Oh, no. What did they say? Um, um, they said what happened and I told them and they said, oh, you won't be playing for a couple of years. Um, yeah, so I needed that reconstructed. Ouch. Yeah, so it was shattering in more than one way. Yeah, it's quite yeah. devastating. We we often talk on the podcast about that, the identity side of, of running or our lives, really. It's just a small part of our lives, but um, how yeah. that can really change what's yeah. going on for you. So how did you deal with that? Um, well, I went back and I coached for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't the same. Mm. And I just got really frustrated that I couldn't play. And yeah. even like the drills and things, it just wasn't safe mm-hmm. for me to um, join in with those because he said, you know, any sideways movements, you're at risk of it happening again. Yeah. Um, and by then I'd had my first child uh, yeah. in between when I had an e-reconstructed and started coaching and I just mm-hmm. went, you know, I can't afford weeks on crutches again. Yeah. With yeah. a baby, playing. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, that so, would not have been easy. So, what no. did you do when it comes to? I know you sounded like you you kept your hands in the pie a little bit by coaching. Yep. How how did you physically? You know, did were there things that you was it important for you to stay physically fit, like in your mind and your body? I tried to, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a priority at that point. Mm, with kids and right. things, like yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we'd go for walks. I'd take my youngest down for a walk around Risdable Park and stuff like that. Um, but as he got bigger and heavier, it was harder to push the chair or the pram yeah. around the yeah. dam, so up the hills. and yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think I just kind of let my, you know, what it's like being a mum. You just I kind do. of let, yeah, you end up down the list of priorities. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, which... When we think about it, it seems so foolish, like if on reflection. Yes. It's like that. I think I've used the analogy so many times on the podcast now, it's getting a bit old. But on in the aeroplane, when they say to, um, mm. you know, have put the gas, the gas, put the yes. oxygen on your face <laughs> first before, the, before any, you know, children or other people who need a hand. 
Um, yeah. And it's the same. Like if we don't look after our own physical and mental health as mums, um, yeah. we can't really be the best people that we want to and need to be for our kids. But yeah. often we we ignore that. And, and it's not just mums. It's, it's, you know, I'm getting older now and my parents and so this will eventually, well, actually, yeah. I'm not sure whether that has happened to you. I shouldn't stop saying things like that. But, you know, my parents are getting older and I can see that there'll be time where I need to, you know, spend more time yeah. trying to help out with things with them. And it'll be important for me to, you know, listen to my own advice and not um, ignore yeah. my own uh, needs, that things that I needed to do, like to stay fit and healthy while helping yeah. them. Mm. I think one of the things that I think of often is you can't pour from an empty cup. Yes. Yeah. So if I don't fill my cup and look after myself, Mm. then I can't go further afield. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I might use that one instead now if I steal it from you. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yes, because the aeroplane one's getting a bit old. Um, (laughs) So when when did you decide, like how did your life progress after that? You've got you've got a, well, at least one child at the, that point when you yep. had this and accident. Yes, yeah, and so I had um, Jordan, and then two and a half years later we had Jacob, mm-hmm. um, and then we sold our home and built yeah. um, up on the hills um, of the eastern shore of Hobart. Yeah, um, we've got a beautiful. We're on two acres. It's just oh, really nice place to call home. <laughs> yeah, it's twenty five minutes out of Hobart, so it's not too far. Oh, beautiful! Um, I love yeah, it. it's just a yeah. It's, when you're home, you're home. Yeah. Um, and I fell pregnant while we we're building, okay. and then with our third, um, and that's when our lives changed completely. We us about that, Kylie. <laughs> yeah, so I'd had a kind of an, a normalish pregnancy up until. Um, 36 weeks. I'd had a couple of bleeds, mm-hmm. um, which weren't significant, but enough to cause you a little bit of stress. Yeah. Um, and then I went for my 36 week checkup, and my obstetrician um, was doing an ultrasound. I had really painful Braxton Hicks, mm-hmm. um, and he said that's really good because you know your labour will be efficient because they're so strong and yeah. yada yada yada. Yeah. Trying to make you know this will be good. <laughs> um, and then he was doing an ultrasound to check how far down ahead was, and he took a little bit longer than I could remember when I was pregnant with, with the boys. Yeah. Um, um, he froze the screen and he walked across the room and grabbed some textbooks off the shelf. Oh. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, you didn't do that with the boys. Um, mm. And he flicked through one of those and he looked at the picture and he looked at the screen and he goes, oh, yeah, that looks like that. Um, and I've seen that 30, uh, three times in 30-something years of obstetrics. Wow. Um, and she had a severe brain abnormality. <gasps> which he just happened to notice, which we're very lucky he did notice Mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't know exactly what it was or what caused it. Mm -hmm. Um, He just knew that she had big black patches in her brain where the brain hadn't formed properly. Mm -hmm. Um, And he sent us off for an ultrasound. He said, I'll get my receptionist to book you an ultrasound and you need to go there and come straight back. And then he goes, actually, no, I'll call up and speak to the lady who needs to do it and tell mm-hmm. her what she needs to check for and then you need to come straight back. Um, so we went and saw her, had the ultrasound and went back and they said that she had something called ventricular megaly, mm-hmm. um, which is the ventricles in her brain 
were mm-hmm. about two and a half times the size they should have been. Oh, wow. So that's right in the middle of your brain stem. Um, yeah. So at that point they didn't know what had caused it still. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said we need to talk to someone about that because um, mm-hmm. he didn't know if she'd be born alive or if she'd mm-hmm. survive continuing on in the pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so he sent us off to a paediatrician. Um, got us, he called up, got us an appointment for the next morning. The paediatrician uh, said, that's a little bit too complex for me. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen that before. Um, so he referred us on to the Royal Hobart Hospital to the, a neonatologist there. Um, and we went and met with him. And he, again, had a look at all the ultrasounds and stuff that had been done and said that he um, didn't know if she would be born alive. Um, and to prepare, hope for the best, but prepare for the yeah. worst. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, we we're having, we we're going privately, um, yeah. and our obstetrician said, um, "You can still choose to have her at the private hospital, but if she survives her birth, she'll just be going straight to the royal. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a traumatic birth, you won't be going with her." Mm-hmm. Um, he said, "I'm more than happy to deliver you at the royal if you're happy to go there." And yeah. we went, "Yep. Why would you not? Because <laughs> yeah. you want to be next to." Yeah. The NICU. Um, so we, it was um, two and a half weeks before she was born, um, mm. and in that time we had lots more scans, trips to the NICU to oh to learn what the NICU looked like and smelt like and sounded like yep. because it's very contra- confronting the first time you walk in there. So at least we'd had that opportunity to to hear what it's like, where it is, mm. the smells, the sounds, um, yep. what it would look like where your baby would be that kind of stuff yeah um and then when I was about 38 and a half weeks pregnant I went Mm -hmm. back I was going very frequently to see the obstetrician I went back and I hadn't slept for that couple of weeks because I was just a little bit stressed as you could imagine (laughs) um and I had said to him my bags are packed I'm not going home Mm -hmm. um and he said no 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 she's little um, we knew we were having a girl, and that's all yeah, we knew yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's little. Um, we need to keep her in for as long as possible to continue mm-hmm. to grow um, so our lungs can develop as much as possible to give her the best chance yeah. to survive her birth in the early days. Um, and then he had a look at the ultrasound that we'd had done the day before, and he said, meet me at hospital at 4 o'clock. And I'm like, what? What, <laughs> what have you just seen it? or read? <laughs> um, and they were concerned that she had stopped growing and that the placenta had started to break down. Yeah. Mm. Um, So he he, um, called up the hospital, said I'd be there at 4 o'clock. We met him in there. Um, He said he'd break the waters that night or in the morning. I think it might have been that night um, and just see what happened during the night. Mm. He said the hospital, if they try to send you home, do not go home. He (laughs) said this is a high-risk pregnancy. He said, you know, in Sometimes when they get people in to induce them, they'll send them home if nothing happens. Mm. He said, you're not to go home. Here's my personal mobile phone number. And if they try to send you home, call me. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd um, seen him and he said, I'll come back in the morning. Um, He came back in the morning and checked and I'd gone into labour overnight, but nothing really had happened much. Yeah, nothing that was making anything really progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, I'll come back at lunchtime and check on you because he worked up the road. Um, and so that was at 7 o'clock. 
I think I was four centimetres dilated, which was okay. you started. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout the morning, all the doctors and nurses from the Royal came in to meet us, <laughs> um, oh. being in a teaching hospital. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so we, yeah, so we met, and, you know, the neonatologist that we'd previously met, Brielle and his colleagues, some other neonatologists, the nurses from NICU, the midwives that were on, um, paediatricians, you name it. They all um, came to check you They out. all came to visit, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then at about 11 o'clock I said, I need to push. And they're like, no, you can't. You're only, they checked again and I was still four centimetres. Oh, wow. And I'm like, some things you just know. Um, so at 11 o'clock they checked and I was four centimetres and I had a at 11.50, so the last part went very, very quickly, so I didn't get I any drugs. That sounds very quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember between contractions counting all the people in the room, and at one point there was 37 doctors Holy and nurses. Holy Yeah, and medical staff in the room. Um, she actually came out this all face first. Yeah. Um, so... And at one point they were checking to see how far down she was and I heard this, oh, my God, this baby's head's all lumpy, which is not what you want to hear when you know your baby's got a severe brain <laughs> abnormality. Oh. Um, and that's when they figured out she was coming out face first. So being in a teaching hospital, we got yeah. lots of more people. You don't care by that point. Yeah. 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 Um, and when she, they'd, they'd said, you know, if, if she survives a birth, she'll go straight to the NICU. You might get to mm. see her, but that's about it. Mm. Um, so when she came out, she actually let out a cry. Oh. Um, so we got to hold her for twenty minutes before, oh. yeah, before they took her to Niku. Yeah. Um, and looking back, um, it's clearly obvious they diagnosed something at birth yeah. that um, we didn't know about. In addition yeah. to the brain injury, mm-hmm. um, so later that day, the doctors said to us that they believed that she had Down syndrome. Yeah. Um, which we declined the screening anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said, because we they were just we thought they were just coming to talk to us to say um, what was going on in her brain. Yeah. Um, and he said, no, we believe that she has Down syndrome because she has all these markers, which we hadn't noticed because we mm. were just so relieved that she was alive. Mm. Um. And then he said, we'll check her heart because um, one in four babies with Down syndrome is born with a heart defect or congenital heart defect. Um, So they did a quick check that afternoon and said, oh, it's nothing to worry about. We'll get uh, the specialist to come and look at it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So the next day the specialist came and had a look and said, actually, she's got a significant hole in her heart um, and a faulty valve. So they said a hole, her heart was the size of a walnut and the hole was eight millimetres. Whoa. Yeah, so it was pretty significant. Um, and that she may need open-heart surgery to repair it. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of doing this whole, does she need neurosurgery to drain the fluid in her brain or does she need open-heart oh, surgery to fix wow. her heart? <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> she doesn't even have a name yet, Like, oh. but she had all this stuff going on. But because so much had happened, we hadn't decided on her name at that point Mm -hmm. um yeah so it was a very stressful time Mm. yeah as you can imagine Mm. um so that's kind of where our lives changed for we didn't know how long ago was that 
Um, 14 and a half years, so 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So it was quite a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, so those, Veronica spent the first six weeks nearly in NICU, which is neonatal intensive yeah. care and special care nursery before she was well enough to come home. Yeah. Um, when she was a week old, they did her first MRI to see what had gone on in her brain. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't need to sedate her because she didn't really wake up for the first two weeks of her life. Okay. So they just put her into the machine and mm-hmm. um, they said at that point that she'd had bilateral strokes in mm-hmm. utero, which I didn't even know was a thing, mm. um, that unborn babies could have strokes. Um, wow. So she had grade four strokes, which are the worst grade that you can have. Mm-hmm. They said it would have instantly killed an adult and they have wow. no idea how she survived. Um, and she had quite a significant brain injury around the right side of her brain, mm-hmm. which they said would affect her movement down the left and she would most likely never walk. Wow, that's so much so, to take on. Yeah, so she was a week old and we knew that she had this, she'd had strokes, she'd never walked, she had Down syndrome and she had a big hole in her heart. And so private, I mean, previous to that, you had two like normal, healthy yep. boys, correct? Yep, yeah, yep. typically developing children. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was um very confronting um, mm. being immersed in the world of disability and yeah. medical mm-hmm. and so deeply immersed in it so quickly. Yeah. Um, Veronica was very poorly for the first two and a half years of her life mm-hmm. in particular. Um, she had pneumonia every four to six weeks for the first 18 months or so. So it basically became your job really. Like, I mean, yeah. we talk about yeah. carers and we hear about them in the news and things like that, but until you actually are a carer, yeah. Yeah. comprehension of what that entails. Yeah. You just Hard you can't comprehend it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd she'd get poorly during the night quite frequently, and we'd call an ambulance, and they knew where we lived. Um, they'd get there really quickly, yeah. um, and it might be three weeks later we'd go home. So yeah. every time Veronica went to hospital, I went with her. Yeah. Um, originally, we used to wake the boys up every time, mm-hmm. and then we just went, you know, that's not fair on them. Mm. Um, the trauma that they were going through. Yeah. Um, so we got to the point where if they woke when the paramedics arrived, mm-hmm. then that was fine. And if not, then my husband would just let them know in the morning that mum and Veronica are in hospital and we'll go and visit okay. them later. Yeah. So, Because they didn't need to see paramedics working on her either. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So then when, so we, we started our journey with uh, early intervention therapies mm-hmm. um, and at 11 months, Veronica went and saw a specialist um, at... I can't even remember what it was called. It was a rehab place mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and I thought we were just going to meet him to say hello. <laughs> um, and that day she was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Holy moly. Yeah, as a result of the strokes. and her, Because by then it was clearly obvious she wasn't using the left side of her body. Um, and I was shattered because I wasn't going there for that. I was just going to meet a new doctor. Like, mm-hmm. as you do, you don't have in your mind that you're going to get such a big diagnosis. Another diagnosis, yeah. Yeah. Um, and at that point, he also said he didn't know how to treat her cerebral palsy because he'd never seen a child with Down syndrome and cerebral palsy before. So wow. he said, I'll do some research and come back in three months. So three months later, we went back and he said, I've talked to my colleagues in Melbourne and Sydney and they haven't come across it either. So he said, 
just keep doing what you're doing and we'll cross our fingers and hope for the best. Um, wow. Her development was really, really slow. Yeah. Um, because she had severe hypertonia, which is low muscle tone as well, mm-hmm. which is part of having Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything was hard work for her. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you can imagine. Um, mm. But with everything going on. Yeah. Mm. Um, and. What about things like speech? So is speech and things like that a problem? Was that like obviously slow to acquire? Yeah, Yeah. she started seeing a speech pathologist when she was only like two days old Mm -hmm. um, to help with nutrition Mm -hmm. um, and feeding. Um, And we we still wonder if the speech centre of her brain was damaged by the strokes because yeah. um, yeah. verbal communication is really tricky for Veronica. Mm-hmm. But as her speech pathologist now says, she's a fantastic multimodal communicator. So mm-hmm. she uses some sign language, some verbal words, um, lots of visual um, gestures, mm-hmm. and she also has a communication device she's learning to use where she'll hit a button and it will say the words. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she uses lots of different things to help communicate. So obviously, um, I've seen Veronica on Facebook. Doing well, but um, yes. So, but it's would have it, like that's fourteen years of what would be a massive journey, and I'm sure there was many, many, many ups and downs through all of that. Yeah, um, and tricky times. How, as a family, have you managed to? You know, get to where you are today, do you think? Yeah. I think early on when she was in NICU and they said that she'd never walk, I got caught up on the fact that she couldn't go to school where her brother's going because it's on the side of a hill mm-hmm. and wheelchairs don't go up and downstairs. Yeah. And then after about two weeks, I just went, you know, that's four and a half, five years away. Let's not worry about that. My yeah. goal is now for her to walk into kinder on the first day of school. Yeah. When she's four and a half and I told the doctors that and they said, good luck, it's medically impossible. I said, I'm not saying she's going to walk by the time she's one. She'll walk by the time she's four and a half. Like that's yeah. giving a realistic goal. Um, and then I kind of thought, let's not stress about what may or may happen in the future. Mm. Let's enjoy her now and what's happening and enjoy our family because really she shouldn't be here. Yeah. So how lucky are we that she survived? Yeah. Yeah. So we've had um, lots of tricky times over the years. Um, she went to, when she was two and a half, she was finally big enough and they thought strong enough to go to Melbourne for her heart surgery. Yeah. Um, they'd been putting it off because they wanted her to get to 10 kilos. Yeah. Um, and she finally got to 10 kilos when she was two and a half. Wow. Um, so we went to Melbourne to meet the surgeon. And he um, said, I'll try to repair the hole in her heart um, via a catheter through her groin. Mm-hmm. Um, but that by that time, the hole was 19 millimetres big because oh. it had grown as her heart grew, yeah, yeah. the hole grew. So, um, and he said the biggest plug he could use was 20 millimetres. So he said, I don't know if it will work, but that's better than cracking her chest. Mm. Um, he said, go home, keep her well. I'll put her at the top of the wait list and we'll hopefully operate in about three months. Oh. Um, so we went home. She got really, really sick because we've been on a plane. <laughs> every time we went on a plane, she ended up really sick because wow. um, she has a compromised immune system as part of everything. Yep. Yeah. And then we went back 
three months later and did eight hours of pre-admissions at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Got a phone call that night and said he's cancelled the surgery. And we just went, no, we're here. Um, The hole had started to heal. So it had gone from 19 millimetres to about 10. Wow. Yeah. He said he'd never seen a hole start to heal that much in such a short period of time. And he didn't want to operate at that point. He said, let's wait and see. Come back in six months. And six months later, we went back and it was four millimetres. What? Yeah. And a couple of years after that, she was discharged with a normal structured, normal functioning heart. Wow, so something finally went in the right direction. Yeah, which was was phenomenal because when Mm. she was six months old, she was diagnosed with heart failure um, Mm. and so her chest was asymmetrical, like chest was out here and her liver was down to her belly button and had all the signs of heart failure. So to go from that to being discharged from cardiology was a miracle. There's no other word. Like the doctor said, I can't describe how that's medically possible. The older I get, the more I realise we don't know about yeah. anything about the human body or no. what it's capable of or how we can how we repair ourselves or can as well like yeah. it's just like we just don't know do we it's mm. incredible when you think it's the one of the things is, that we've always had with us and been studying for as long as we've had that kind of capacity to be able to but we still yeah. know so little really about yeah. how things work yeah so once that self resolved and a body wasn't working as hard mm. um she was able to start meeting some milestones, mm-hmm. developmental milestones. So she learnt to get into sitting when she was just before she turned three. Mm-hmm. Um, she crawled the day before she turned three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The day before her third birthday, she crawled, which yeah. was the best birthday present ever. Because, um, again, they didn't know if she'd be able to crawl because if half your body doesn't work, yeah. how can you sustain your posture that, to crawl? Fine. Yeah, or the the planning and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then she was fitted with her first walking frame when she was probably three and a half or four. Yeah. Um, and she learnt to stand up and wait there and use a walking frame. The wheels were locked so she couldn't steer you, so she could just yeah. go forwards. Yeah. Um, and I think once she got to that point, she realised that the world could be different if I could find my feet. Yeah. Um, so we did lots and lots of physio. She was going really well with a walking frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and in was December 2000, she was meant to start school in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, December 2012, she had her first seizure, mm-hmm. um, which went for 20 minutes, oh. which is a long time. Um, and she lost her ability to stand up, use her walking frame. Mm-hmm. Um, she at that point she'd had about 300 signs and she dropped back to about 10. Yeah. Um, and she lost all but about three words from that seizure, wow. which was just shattering when you're mm. eight weeks out from starting school. Um, and then two weeks later, she had another one. Yeah. Um, and that's when she was diagnosed with epilepsy, which mm. we were, it's very common in children with cerebral palsy. Okay. So we knew at some mm. point it was always a risk. I've, I've had um, some experience with um, a, a young yeah. man with cerebral palsy that I've helped looked after since he was a teenager. So yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I was aware of that a little bit. Mm. Yeah, but most of the research I'd done was indicated that it, usually seizures happen before you're two or when mm. you're a teen. Mm. So we'd kind of got to two and I'm kind of like, Phew, don't need to worry about that yes. anymore. So it was a, a massive curveball when that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so that summer we worked 
really, really hard. We managed to get offered a spot in some training that was happening down at St. Giles with some therapists from America mm-hmm. who had come to train some local therapists with speech, physio and OT, so it was an intensive. I think it was three or four visits a week for a few mm-hmm. weeks. Um, and they said, could Veronica come into that? And we're like, yep. <laughs> cool. Um, so we went into that um, and they she regained a lot of skills during that time, but she still okay. wasn't back to where she was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she um, did walk into Kendra on the first day using her walking frame, which was, I think I was the proudest mum in school that oh. day. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. And so what kind yeah. of school did she go to? Uh, she went to a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, where her brothers were at. So yeah. Jordan was grade five and Jacob would have been grade two when she started. Oh. Yeah. And because she was a younger sibling, everyone knew her Yeah, because so. 80% of the class were siblings already yeah. and she was just Veronica. Yeah, yeah. So that would have been good. helpful too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the staff knew her because we'd been dropping the boys off at school every day. So with this, you've... And we can only imagine, as I said before, how many ups and downs you've had, even you know after she started school between to now. Yeah. Um, how did you decide it was time for you to do some things for yourself? As in, we're now in this situation, we're yeah. in conversation on a running podcast. So, how yeah. did you? How did that come about? That that element? Um, I hurt my shoulder lifting up. Okay. Yeah, and I just. I had a couple of quarters on injections mm-hmm. and I went, that's just not fixing it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what's well, fixing it, but not long-term fixing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that Veronica was going to get bigger and heavier. Mm-hmm. And if I just kept having quarters on injections, that wasn't going to help anything. Yeah. Um, so I took up swimming uh-huh. as you do, because yeah. I thought that's a good aerobic fitness. Um, good for my shoulders. Yeah. Um, and the physio said, you know, if it did freestyle, that would be fine, but don't do backstroke because that opens up your hip socket. Okay. Sorry, your shoulder socket. Um, so I started swimming and really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Set myself a goal to swim 321 kilometres in a year to raise awareness for Down syndrome. Oh, um, wow. And the 321 came from three copies of the 21st chromosome, which is what Down syndrome is. Yeah. Um, and 321 kilometres is a long way to swim. It is. <laughs> so, it is. I find a one kilometre is a really long way to swim. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about, 300 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So partway into my um, swimming personal challenge to look after myself, Veronica, no, she just had learned to walk independently. Okay. Um, partway into my swimming challenge, her hips started dislocating. Oh. So the um, she had really tight muscles from having cerebral palsy and yes. really lax ligaments from yeah. having Down syndrome. So can so yeah. So the muscles were effectively pulling her hip out of socket, mm. and her hip would easily dislocate. And the doctors said that she would need her hip reconstructed, mm-hmm. and realistically, she would never walk again. So I did the whole. That's not fair. Mm. Um, so we had to make that decision. What we would do. Um, so we opted to go with the surgery because mm-hmm. we knew if we didn't have it, her hip would be permanently dislocated, which isn't yeah. ideal. Um, and so we went to Melbourne, had surgery, came back, and we would drop the boys at school and Veronica and I would go for a walk. I'd push mm-hmm. her in the walk, the wheelchair, along the S 
Blanard in Lindisfarne, which yeah. is along the Derwent River. Mm-hmm. Um, and she signed, started signing. She wanted me to go faster. And that's... <laughs> of course. Yeah. And that's... I couldn't swim at that point because I couldn't leave her because yeah. she was plastered literally from her armpits to her ankles. So oh, she needed... Wow. Yeah, it was a tough three months. Mm. Um, so I couldn't get to the pool. And I didn't have the confidence to leave her with support workers or anyone and go to the pool because you're uncontactable when you're at yeah. the pool. Yeah. Um, so we started walking and um, slowly jogging behind mm-hmm. the wheelchair. Um, and then one of my friends said that I needed to go to park run. <laughs> and and I thought that you had to be a runner, uh, <laughs> which is the biggest myth. Tricky word, run in park run, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. To be which is, park run or walk. <laughs> Yeah, which is the biggest myth ever. Exactly. Um, Yeah, so I kind of sat with that in the back of my mind for Mm. probably about six months because I thought I need to be able to make sure I can run 5Ks before I go to park run. And then one day I'm just like, you know, just go. So it was New Year's Day 2018. I went to my first park run and fell in love with the community of park run. Um, And Veronica in the meantime had... Um, become an NDIS participant mm-hmm. and we'd had a running pram funded which made awesome. yeah running so much easier yes. um, and so I took her back later in January to her first park run once we got the running chair because I knew yeah. that the wheelchair would not go around Brook Dam yeah um, and ever since then pretty much every Saturday we've gone to park run as a team <laughs> And yeah. how about the rest of the family? Do they go as well or just no, you no. as a girl? <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of my boys has come a few times mm-hmm. um, and the other, my middle son was working quite often so yeah. he couldn't come. Yeah. Um, and my husband, he would, was sometimes working on Saturdays as well. Yeah. So it yeah. was just, it kind of became the thing that Veronica and I did. Oh. That, and she really enjoyed it. So, you know, every Saturday she'd wake up and sign running. And I'm like, yeah, it's running today. And she'd go, yay. Oh. And so and then, you're still doing that, like the, the two of you? Like, yes. I know that you go to parkrun, so the both of you are still going to parkrun regularly? Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah, so Veronica's, I've just got to 200 runs a couple of months ago. Um, and Veronica's, thank you, and Veronica's at 190-something. Wow. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. So, so the deal is I just, push her the 4.9 Ks and she yeah. hops out and walks the finishers, shoot. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, so park run has really been a bit of a key that's that's flipped the thing where you both could yep. get out and do it together and yeah. you know, feel good and, and be in that community. As A lot of people on the podcast have talked a lot about park run and how it's helped them. You know, they, it, they yeah. may have started to lose weight or to do something else or for some other reason yeah. but they kept going because of the community at Parkrun. Yeah. And I know, knew that I needed to do something to maintain my health and well-being mm. because I needed to be physically strong as a carer but mm. I also needed to be mentally alert and strong as well. Mm. And I just found that running cleared my head. Yeah. And I kind of have the theory, you know, any any – well, Veronica's 14 now, and any mum can go running with their 14-year-old child if yeah. their child wants to. Yes. We just do it differently. Yeah. So yes. to all the other mums that yeah. run with their kids. Yeah. And so where's Veronica at school now? She's like, uh, yeah, she, she go to now? 
Um, we just in the process of moving her to the support school in Hobart. High school's been really tricky. Yeah, um, I wondered about that. Sensory, yeah, sensory wise, um, has been. She's the environment's really tricky. Um, yeah. So Veronica was um, diagnosed with autism when she was nine. Of yeah. 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 <laughs> I She's like a little remember. walking medical encyclopedia, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. Or, or wheelchair. Yeah. I clearly remember asking when she was two if she may be on the autism spectrum yeah. to be told. Yeah. I was very di- very much diagnostic overshadowed. Well, she has mm. Down syndrome. Of course she does that. Or she has mm. cerebral palsy. Of course she does yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but my friend's kids don't do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so when she was nine, we had an assessment done for, must have been the NDIS or something, and the psych mm. that did that said, has Veronica ever been assessed for autism? And I said, funny you ask me that. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, century-wise high school was really hard because, as you know, primary schools, one teacher generally, exactly. one classroom, yeah. you may go out for PE or you go out for PE, mm. you go out for music, whereas high schools, six different classes every day, six different classrooms, six different teachers, Mm. in four different buildings Mm -hmm. Um, and Veronica found the noise of high school really tricky there's Mm. nothing you can do about the noise of 700 students Um, and she found transitions really tricky from one class to the next yeah so we did we threw everything at at it that we could to make it work Um, and it's just got to the point where it was such a hard decision for me to make because mm. I believe in inclusive education yeah. and a support school to me is not the model of inclusive education. Mm. Yeah. Um, but in saying that she will be included at the support school, yeah. whereas in the mainstream high school she was segregating herself. Yeah. So she would self-exit class because she was overwhelmed Mm. and go to the hub to work. But then when other students came into the hub, she'd leave that area to find somewhere else. So she was excluding herself from all social relationships Mm. as well as academically and with her curriculum. So we know that this way she'll have a curriculum that's meaningful for her. She'll be socially Mm. included, um, emotionally catered for Mm. Yeah. Wow. So your life really did take a big turn 14 years ago. Yeah. And on top of um, you know being a carer for Veronica, you've also taken on all these um, other roles. You said you were uh, doing um, teachers' aids things, and yeah. now of course you're studying and will be a fully fledged teacher within a short period of time as well. Yeah. How you and Running has become, you know, a thing for you, for you guys. Um, yeah. When was it, 2018 that you started that? Yeah. How, what does, apart from park run, what does running look like for you now? Well, you know how kind of things escalate quite quickly? Mm. <laughs> they do. <laughs> um, have you heard of Just Like Jack? I have, yes. Yeah. So um, we got in contact with Chris from Just Like Jack um, and we started doing the Ross 10K runs okay. every year when that was on. When the marathon, yeah. Ross yeah, so, yeah, oh, to run. Mm. yeah. So we do yeah. the 10K every year with, with Ross. Yeah. Uh, uh, the upper Ross, sorry, with the Just Like Jack team. Um, and then one year Chris is like, you kind of do the point to pinnacle with us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm kind of like... <laughs> No, and he's like, come on, we'll get some other people to help push. Um, and so we did that back in uh, maybe 2019. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was the year it went to Longley. Okay. So we'd kind of got yeah. to the pub and I looked at the top and I'm like, yeah, I'm glad we're not going up there. <laughs> but at the same yeah, but at the same time it was just as hard holding on for those seven Ks downhill. Because oh, going yeah. downhill is just as hard because using all different muscles to hold yeah. the running chair back. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so we did that and then 2019, no, 2020, I decided that I would take Veronica in the Cabri half because mm-hmm. um, I thought, because I'd done the Cabri half the year before for my yep. first half marathon mm-hmm. as well. So I thought I'll take V in the Cabri half. Um, and that was just the atmosphere was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mercury done a story about us. So, um, and a lot of people in the running community know us because there's not that many of us that are pushing around children yeah. in running wheelchairs. Yeah. Um, so every time someone passed, they'd be like, go, Veronica. And she's like, oh. me? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you. <laughs> um, and my goal for that was to finish it. I'd done two Cabri halves at that point. So my first one was two hours 40. And my second one was two hours 30, I think. And I wanted to do it. No. I'd only done one at that point, two hours 40. And I yeah. thought I want, I was a lot fitter when I did it yeah. with her. And I thought my goal is to do it in that same time. Yeah. And Veronica crossed the line in two hours 41. Oh. So I was Because <laughs> it took her about three minutes to walk the last 100 metres. Oh, so, wow. And I think she thought everyone was there to cheer just for her. Of course. Well, they were. Weren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and it was just the atmosphere was just mm. amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I, she's obviously enjoying that kind of atmosphere as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. She loves it. Yeah, yeah. which is funny. Like when you think of autistic um, tendencies. Um, yeah. But actually, to enjoy that the focus just being on her for those yep. perceiving that it is just <laughs> <laughs> she crosses the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she loves it. So, yeah. So we've done, and then we just started entering all the fun runs around Hobart. So like, you know, the city to casino yeah. and yeah. the run the bridge, um, hard work pushing up Kangaroo Hill and oh, up over imagine. the bridge. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then obviously when COVID hit, we pretty much stopped everything because her immune system's compromised. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, so we self-isolated for 18 weeks, 19 weeks. Wow. Um, and I would go out running just around home during mm. the day when my husband was home with her um yeah. we stopped all support workers and stuff coming in just because of the risk yeah. um yeah. two of veronica's specialists had said if she ever caught covid she probably wouldn't survive yeah um because of her lungs so scary mm. yeah yeah so oh, she we we withdrew the three kids from school yeah. for two terms yeah. um and i stopped working as well because i was kind of like yeah, i kept my kids teaching yes yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Homeschooling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was that was tricky that year yeah. for I mean it was tricky for everyone. Yeah. It just yeah. another layer of trickiness by the sound of it at your place. Yeah. 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 Um and then once I got more confident to head back into the community oh. a little bit, we'd head back down to Lindisfarne and we'd run along the Esplanade. Mm-hmm. Um, then we'd stop outside one of her favourite cafes um, and they'd see us and they'd bring out her iced cream and a chino and a coffee oh. for me um, oh. and I'd just tap my card and off we'd go. So they were good. And I'm like, no, don't come into the shop. We'll bring it all out to you. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, so it just kind of, yeah. Um, and then so obviously we park run every Saturday 
Um, mm. Sunday mornings I go for a solo run. Okay. Um, which is my that's my me time. Yeah. Um, I I'm working my way back up. I'm my happy place is 15 k's. Yeah. Um, when I feel fit enough just to go out, I like to run a long way slowly. I'm not quick. Mm. Um, mm. but I figure, I'm yeah a two hour run. I love yeah. sort of that hour and a half to two hours. Um, and then I try to run two or three times a week during the week as well. Yeah. Um, and that just depends on what's happening, how Veronica is, how busy I am if I get time. And do they tend to be solo runs as well? Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. I used to go to a run group on Wednesday nights, um, mm-hmm. but then uni lectures or tutorials were Wednesday nights this year. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that meant I couldn't get to run group on Wednesday nights. So yeah. quite often now I'll head down. So I'll run Saturday park run, Sunday long run, rest mm-hmm. Monday, um, and then try to Tuesday and Thursday, I'd have a run after work mm. um, before I'd head home. Yeah. Yeah, just to kind of clear my head. And it would just be a short one, like yeah. anywhere sort of, you know, from four to eight Ks. Yeah. Just that enough to get out and have a bit of a me time. Which is important, I think. Yeah. You, yeah, you've got so much going on in your life. Anyway, yeah. without having that time to sort of unpack it and pack it back up again or whatever it is you do in your, in your mind while you're running, it yeah. would be like uh, feeling like you're always on a treadmill or something and not being able to finish yeah. anything or, or sort it out, I think. Yeah. yeah, so it gives me lots of time to process and think. Yeah. And, um, we've had been at that um, tribunal for the NDIS for the last mm-hmm. two and a half years oh, wow. um so after I'd had conversations with the lawyers about that I'd be fired up and I'd go out and have a, <laughs> ran a couple of PBs <laughs> oh <laughs> look at that yeah, during that time <laughs> um yeah so that was just time to process um yeah. so usually would either usually I'll have music or a podcast going in the background yeah um, but I just time. it's just thinking time yeah mm. just thinking you- time do you feel like you need a goal, like in order to help motivate you to get out the door, or is there other things going on that motivate you to make sure that you, you know, tick off? You know, yeah. you try not to get to the end of a week where you haven't done at least one or or two of those extra trainings that you're doing during the week yeah. that are on the weekend. Um, I always used to feel that I needed a goal, like what's mm-hmm. the next running event? Mm-hmm. What are you working towards? Whereas now it's just about running because I enjoy it and because I can. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Cadbury's in two weeks, but I haven't registered yet. Okay. So, Are you going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm thinking I will, but part of that was because I work in a school and COVID was ripping through the school and I thought yeah. I don't want to pay 70 bucks or however much it is to register yeah. and then end up with COVID and not be able to participate. Yeah. 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 So I probably will register. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of tossing up between the 10 or the half. I, I'm a little bit under-trained to do the half. So <laughs> so what what motivates you apart from Freddo Frogs? Um, <laughs> yeah, I run for chocolate. What do you think now motivates you? Like you said before, you thought sometimes goals um, did, but but you were kind of leaning towards maybe, you know, it's just that trying wanting to be fit or are there things that I think it's you get wanting, from the run that you I think it's clearing my mind mm-hmm. um and obviously running because I enjoy it and because I can mm-hmm. um 
and being a role model for my for Veronica and the boys that yeah. it is good to do something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like so many people say, how do you find time to run? And I'm like, well, I schedule it in. Yeah, like I schedule in the kid or her therapy, and I schedule like I have work at that time. Mm. So why not schedule in some time for myself as well? Because yeah. I learned through the journey with her that I need to look after me to mm. look after the family. Yeah. Um, and I'm always happier after I've been for a run. Mm-hmm. I, and that yeah. then makes the family happier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Mom's happy. laughs> yeah. Everybody's a bit happier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I did um the Cabri Marathon this year for my oh, first wow. marathon. And I think that because that was such a big goal. Um, yeah. I did that. David talked about the Make Me Marathoner. So yeah. he was my coach for that because I got into that program. Yeah. Um, and I think because that was such a big goal to do um, yeah. and I had some injuries during my training and did Oh, seven of the 12 weeks deep water running. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> seven of the yeah. 12 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For my training because I um, got an injury in week five, at the end of week oh, five. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought meant that I wouldn't be able to do it. And he's like, no, nah, jump in the pool. So I did four runs a week in the pool. Wow. Um, yeah, which was good to shift bobbing my up mind. and down people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. I've got a. Yeah. I have a water running belt, which I probably have yeah. used a half a dozen times in my entire. Like, yeah, I've lent it more yeah. than I've used it, it's and just, um, yeah. and I always when I have used it, I've thought, oh, this looks really funny. Yeah, <laughs> I've had kids go, "Are you a lifeguard?" And I'm like, "No," because <laughs> your head just bobs along. Yeah. yeah. So, so I I'm, think I'm glad you were I able had... to commit to that to, in yeah. order to get through that training. Yeah, so I think because I had that big goal and I worked towards yeah. it and achieved it, now it's not so much about goals. Yeah. It's about just, I guess my goal is my health and well-being. I was, I'm starting to think with myself because I'm in the middle of a running streak at the moment, not in the middle, I, I'm in a running streak at the moment where I'm running every day but at least a minimum of 2K and but I'll run further obviously on the days I normally would run 5, 10, yeah. whatever, 15, depending on what I'm training for. But for me at the moment it's become the streak like you know I've got this little streak yeah. thing so it's not that I've got a goal to even get somewhere or run faster or get to an event yeah but just at this moment it's it's um that consistency so for me the goal at this moment is being very consistent by running every day yeah which is awesome yeah it's, uh, anyway so I think you know it, we all have different things that keep us moving and keep us motivated yeah. to get out the door but what Keeps you keeps you motivated or kept you motivating uh, ten years ago, or five years ago, or whatever is not necessarily yeah. all last week. Uh, will yeah. be the thing that keeps you motivated this week, and it might be something else. Yeah, um, to and give I think it a go. Always in the back of my mind, it's like I need to be physically healthy and strong to be a carer. Mm. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of lifting and and stuff yeah. involved. Yeah. Um, and if I wasn't physically active being a carer mm. and working in a school yeah. it would be much harder oh, oh yeah so much yeah harder. yeah wow so yeah. you said you had an injury how, how did that that feel at that time like we often talk in the podcast about injury and especially once we've I started identifying ourselves a little bit as runners um how we feel when yeah. that's taken away for a period of time 
I was shattered because it was such a big goal to do the marathon and because I'd been accepted into the program as well. I was kind of like, I felt like if I can't do that, am I letting the the whole program Mm. down to make me a marathon a program? Um, And the physio and the coach, David, said, you know, get into the pool. You're not going to hurt anything by deep water running. Um, And he said, you can do all your runs in the water, do all your intervals, all your long runs. So I think my longest pool run was three hours. Um, wow. Is, yeah. <laughs> Which is a long time um, going up and down, not even yep. following the black line because you're not looking down. Right. And turning uh, into yeah. a prune. Probably the only yep. time when you're running, you turn into a prune. Yeah. Being in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the good payoff for that was like my shoes that I'd brought at the beginning of the 12 week program probably only had 100Ks on them when awesome. I went into the marathon. <laughs> so that was yeah. so fresh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I just, I think I've learned over the last 14 years too, you need to be adaptable. Yeah. Um, so being oh. adaptable to change mm. to still reach that goal was really important to me as well. Yeah. Um, and I'd got to, during the marathon, I'd got to 27Ks. I'm like, this is the longest I'd ever run. Oh. And then I got to 30 and I'm like, oh, that's a long way and everything's starting to hurt. <laughs> And I got to 32 and I'm like, because yeah, you know it's going to hurt. Um, and then I kind of thought I was losing my form and because I hadn't run on land for seven weeks either, mm. my body really noticed the impact from running on land as well. Yeah. Um, so I just thought at no point did I think I was not going to finish, mm-hmm. but I knew that if I started walking that I would finish. And my yeah. whole goal leading into it was to finish. It was about finish line, not finish time. Mm. I. Yeah, so I, I yeah, so I ended up finishing. Um, I walked pretty much the last ten k's. Yeah, um, but for me, that it doesn't matter, like no, because it was about not. finishing. So, so do you have any yeah. more goals? Um, like you know, I I know we talked about goals, but do you have any? Yeah. I like. Do you want to run a mar- another marathon sometime in the future or some other sort of race? Um, I I think after I finished Cabri, I was like. Oh, because you're like, I'm not doing that again. And yeah, then you're like, yeah, yeah, I think I could because I've got a, a time to beat. Yeah. Um, I'm 47 and I've kind of been toying yeah. with the idea I want to do a 50 for my 50th. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I figure I've got three years to train. So, yeah. There's heaps of those so around. I thought <laughs> there is, yeah, or even if I just did something locally. So, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. something uh, like a personal run as well where you. Yeah. 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 I did a 60 yeah, so, last year, like did a, a personal one. Yeah. Like yeah. it wasn't actually an organised event, organised myself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought whether I'll end up doing that because travelling is really tricky with Veronica as well. Of course. Um, yeah. So I'd have to kind of look at what's going on that year. And mm. um, I'm a road runner. Um, yeah. I do like trails, but because I've had my knee reconstructed, you don't want I always have movement. in the back of my mm. mind that that side mode, ways movement's not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been like 25 years since I had my knee reconstructed or 20-something years. Um, and he said when he did it, it would probably last 12. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously technology's changed a lot in yeah. that time. So if it did go again, but I just can't afford months on crutches when I'm a carer. Yeah. 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 So, and I'm happy running roads. Yeah. Um, I yeah. love, you know, on Sunday mornings, my run at the moment. So I park in Lindisfarne and I'll head 
along the Esplanade up over the bridge and yeah. around to Cornelian Bay and back, and that's about 12 k's. Yeah. Um, you're getting that bit of elevation from the bridge as well. So you get yeah. beautiful views and vistas. And yeah. What, so when you're out there, what is it that, you know, when you get into those moments of this is just amazing and um, what kind of runs do you get that experience in or can you get that from any, I don't just mean runners high, but just being really grateful and thankful for the fact that you're, you're out there and your body's moving. and you're Definitely on Sundays. Yeah, yeah, longer run, that think, happy place. Yeah, and I just think how lucky am I to get to run by the river where it's just mm. so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and quite often on Sunday mornings there'll be – there's a fair few people out walking mm-hmm. and just the like I make a point of saying good morning yeah. as I'm going, yeah, and all the good mornings you get back or enjoy your run or have a great day. And, yeah. Yeah, people are just so friendly even though you're not engaging in conversation mm. apart from that just greeting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or if you're on the bridge and a bike comes the other way, you stop to let them pass and they're like, oh, thanks for stopping and yeah. you know, it's, it's like, like I can catch my breath. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you for coming along just at right yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, but I just, you know, I just get into that happy place where I feel that sometimes you could just continue to run, Yeah. Um, but it's more a time constraint that stops me running. Yeah. Yeah, I love those. I've even had those runs. I'm not sure if you have where you go out for. I'm not sure how long I'm going to go out for today. And then, you know, and in the back of your mind, you think, oh, I'll do at least five. And the next thing you know, because you just feel good, it's been 15. Yeah. 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 And then my after school runs, I usually head down to the Esplanade at Linda's Farm as well and just go for a bit of a plot along there or, yeah. So just a beautiful place to run. You enjoy that. You enjoy the environment, like being in you yeah. know, a place where you can be, I suppose, a little bit distracted by <laughs> looking yeah. around around you at you know the beautiful vistas that you see. Yep. Yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I really enjoy the the view that we have of where I run. Yeah. It's just so pretty with the the river and if there's boats out on the water or if there's yeah, just the way the sky changes even mm. or the yeah, reflections in the water when it's yeah. still and you get that perfect mirror. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Stop and take a picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or in winter when you're getting as the sun comes up. Yeah. yeah. And there's a bit of fog sometimes. Yep. It's, really, it's really eerie yeah. in the fog sometimes. I love that too. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You feel special, yeah. there, especially when you do early morning ones. Um, or personally, I like when I do early morning ones, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm the first one out here yeah. today. And it just feels sort of yeah. quite special too to be enjoying it. It does. Yeah. That yeah. break of the day. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. So how long do you think you'll run for, Kylie, in your life? Until I can't. I guess until I can't anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep running with Veronica for as long as I can. Yeah. Um. And once I can't run with her, then we'll probably walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll continue doing my Sunday runs for as long as I can. Yeah. I think that just fills my cup every week and resets me. Yeah. Um, so if I've ever missed a couple, I just, my weeks seem trickier for some reason. Yeah. Whether it's just a mindset thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then depending on what happens next year, because I'm not used to working full-time or being full-time in a school, that could be a little bit more restrictive with how often I get out on weekdays. Life will change a bit. Yeah, 
Yeah. I remember, I think in one school that I worked at for a while, I was able to go out and run at least two or three times um, at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depending well, that's on what I'm hoping. Play school and uh, play school. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, no, uh, uh, in Judy. Uh, yeah, in Judy. That's the word. So it's yeah. been a long time. Been about twenty years since I've done that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm hoping on my study days because I get three days a week to study. Um, that I'll be able to at least go out. Of course, yeah. A couple of those. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And so ultimately, um, and do, already... you, do you want for permanent work? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, at the end of the internship, you are for permanency at the school you're in. Is it likely? Yeah. So I probably should have used the word full time. <laughs> so, it's it's meant to be full time. Yeah. But I've already discussed with my principal that that will be very tricky for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. she's asked me what what loading I'd like. Yeah. Um, and I've let her know, and she's like, "Yep, yeah, that's fine." Yeah. Oh, so, and then I said, around that, I can do relief as needed. Yeah. I said, but just committing to full time is really hard. Yeah. So, I, I said, I but you never know. Next year it might be smooth. Who knows? And I might. Yeah think oh I could do full-time yeah because you just don't know what's going to unfold in the next uh, decade or so either and you just don't know how things will flow Hmm. Yeah, Um, is there anything about running that you want to share that we haven't talked about in regards to running I think one of the when I started running one of the best bits of advice I was given, in particular for my Sunday runs, yeah. is you can't decide you're not going until you're up and dressed. Oh, wow. Because, That's clever. Yeah, isn't it? Because you can lay in bed and you can hear it's windy or it's raining a bit uh-huh. and you think I won't go. Yeah. But once you're up and dressed, it's like I'm up and dressed, I might as well go now. Exactly. Yeah. I love yeah. that. That yeah. being prepared really, isn't it? It's a bit like having all your stuff ready at the at the end of the bed or whatever, um, so that there's less resistance. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I've always, I mean, there was, has been a couple of mornings you're just like, no, it's not safe to run in that. Yeah. Um, but generally, um, and I've, I'll always, because where I run I have to drive to because we live, it's very hilly, okay. and I'm not going to do, you know, a two-hour run on the hills. I'm not that yeah. crazy. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. So that quite often, like, yeah, on the drive down I'm like, oh, yeah. hopefully – you know, the rain will settle or slow down a bit. Yeah, by the time um, you get there. Yeah, and I don't mind running in the rain. I just hate starting in the rain. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm a bit like that too. Yeah. So yeah. I can get if 500 metres in and if it rains for the next 20 k's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's just the thought of starting in the rain. It's like, yeah. So that's one of my things is don't use the weather as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think the old um, – everybody can run mm. like you don't need to have a body type to be a runner like totally. yeah like everyone has that ability to get out there and move and you know when I started I was pushing Veronica in a wheelchair that you're not designed to run behind yeah but you know I'd go from let's run to the next light post yeah and then exactly. we'd walk to the next one and then you know by the next week it was like let's run to two light posts and she'd count them for me Oh, wow. Yeah. And then you'd go that little bit further and a little bit further each time. And then all of a sudden you're doing 5Ks. Wow. So, yeah. And I think the first five is the hardest as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So once you get to five, I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if I can get to 10. And I found going from five to 10 much easier than not to five. 
Yeah, I think I'd agree with that too. Especially once you're doing any sort of distance running, and I suppose people think about distance running from you know 10, 15, 20, 30s or whatever, or training up to the yeah. marathon. Um, a lot of people say they don't warm up until they've run, you know, five or seven Ks. Um, yeah. That's really important that people realise that as well. Yeah. And the other advice I was given once I started working towards 10 and 15, um, one of the runners at Parkrun, he said, when you start to go further, he said, go 10% more mm -hmm. with 10% less. 10 and I'm like, what do you mean by that? 10% less. Yeah, so he said if you're doing 10Ks, so 10% more is 11Ks, mm -hmm. but with 10% less energy, so go 10% slower. So oh, if you're wow. running a 6.30, he said run like a 7 to a 7.15 pace wow. because you're taking, you're going further, so you need to slow down to go further. So you do um, the 7.15 um, or whatever it was for, for the entire 11K, yeah. if you know you're going yeah. out to do the little bit longer. To yeah. Slow it. Slow the whole run down a little bit. Down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. That's a good yeah, and run too. slower to reduce the risk of injury. Because mm. especially oh. blokes, they just go. F yeah. Blood out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And David also said that as part of my marathon training as well. Yeah. You know, make sure you slow, slow down. Like you said, you know, do your long runs at seven forty pace. Yeah. Um, he said if you your goals to run it whatever pace during the marathon mm. they said you know about a 740 for my long runs was where I needed to be so and then he also talked about um the effort so like for my speed work like on um the plans you know if it was run at um say your 5k race pace mm -hmm. instead of thinking that that for me is probably 30 30 minutes so mm -hmm. 6k six minute kilometer he said just feel it in your body like this yeah. is what it is like to run at a 5k race pace or this is what it's like to run mm -hmm. at a 10k mm -hmm. um so he said learn what your body's and i found like with my long runs now i don't even look at my watch mm -hmm. i just know that this is the zone that i'm in yeah um and i just kind of notice my breathing and if it's getting a bit harder then i'll slow down and oh, I love yeah that. Okay. so just to listen to my body and how it's feeling it's one of the gifts that um, as runners we have at our fingertips but we don't all take advantage of it, that real yeah. connection with your body that you can get. And it can be helpful not just in your running but just in your day-to-day -day life when things get really stressful or yeah. maybe you get sick or something, you'll actually be aware of it before it hits you, you know, like a yep. sledgehammer with whatever if you've got COVID or whatever. That's the common yeah. illness at the moment. Um, but yeah. it, it can be advantageous across all parts of your life, I think. Um, being more yeah. in touch with your body. Yeah, just we're also disconnected yeah. these days, I think. Yeah, and just like yeah, learn to listen to it, and yeah, and run to how your body's feeling. So yeah. you know, if, if something is tweaking a little bit, then like one, my other hip at the moment, it's just it's just felt a little bit sore after my last couple of runs, and I think probably that's because on Saturday I had park run with Veronica, and then. Sunday I did pre-event course checks, so I did 5Ks for that. And then I went back and took Veronica to park run and I don't usually run two days in a row with her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just put my body under a little bit of stress. Yeah. So probably today instead of land running, I'll go to the pool and do a session in the pool and water yeah. run instead yeah. um, just to take if there is something Niggling you know, bubbling on. away, yeah, yeah. then that would just take the pressure off because yeah. I know that I need to do something physical. Yeah. 
Yay. I love that. Oh, you're such an inspiration, Kylie. Thank you for sharing such an amazing story. Wow. Yeah, um, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully it puts us all to shame, really. Well, me anyway. I don't mean everyone else, but <laughs> all the excuses we come up with, you know, for why we can't do X, Y, Z or we can't, you know, head out the door when we've said we were going yeah. to. Um, you just put all that to to, uh, to shame, I think. So thank you for sharing. It has been You're amazing. Um, yeah. If someone came up to you, like you said lots of things that were given to you as advice, what would you give people if they came up to you and said, um, Kylie, I want to start running, what's the the top couple of tips you would give them to get started? Um, just do it. Mm-hmm. Like don't think that you'll go out and run 5Ks. Just mm-hmm. go out and just have a go, see how like you might be able to run 100 metres. Mm-hmm. Like you don't necessarily need to measure it or anything. Um just do whatever you feel comfortable with and then the next time push yourself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously get shoes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, get shoes fitted properly yeah. um, that to, to your feet um, mm-hmm. because, as we all know, there's so many different shoes, oh, um, but you need the ones that are the best for you to reduce the risk of injury. Yeah. Um, and find if you're the kind of person that, need someone to motivate you find someone to run with so there's Mm -hmm. lots of run groups in particular around Hobart that Mm -hmm. I've I've linked people in with as well yeah um I I'm happy to run in a group but I also Mm -hmm. really value my solo runs as well because that could be the only time during the week that I get time to myself Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's probably yeah shoes just get out there and do it and um go to park run yeah park runs yeah park runs isn't it yeah, park runs yeah. for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, and you don't have to walk. You don't have to run any of it at park run. You can walk the whole way. If um, just that's normally my last one, but then I realised there's one really important one that I mm. always like to ask people. Um, if you hadn't started running, what do you think your life would be missing? So what's what's running giving your life that you wouldn't have had without running? Um, probably health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just my general health and well-being. Mm, which is wonder, really important. I mean, for everyone, yeah. but it feels even more yeah. important for you because there's so much resting on you yeah. being, you know, fit and healthy to be able to, to do the, what you have to do daily. Yeah, and I wonder too, like, potentially I would have reached carer's burnout by now. Yeah, yeah. Because um, my, my um, daughter's therapist are quite often saying, you know, look after you because it's not – if you'll get carers burnout, it's when. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that yeah. the running helps me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and touch, like one of the girls at work this year commented, she goes, everyone gets sick, but you're, you never get sick. Is that because you run all the time? <laughs> she said, it must be good for your immune system. <laughs> it is. So I think it's, yeah. <laughs> I believe it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And, and I look at all the people I know who are runners, which is, you know, a fair whack of the majority of my friends, yeah. mm-hmm. um, runners don't seem to get ill as frequently as non-runners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when we do get ill, we seem to recover quicker mm. as well. Okay. But we also know to listen to our bodies. Yeah. So I know like when, when we did have COVID, I knew not to rush straight back to doing my 15Ks mm. the next week, yeah. just drop back, see how it felt, and then gradually build up again. Yeah, yeah, which were 
There's something too, like I run with a bunch of nurses and I we've discussed this over the years and certain types of illnesses can actually be helped with running because you, you're getting your system working again. If you just sit home, yeah. you know, I don't say this is for everything obviously, but if you just sit home in front of the television to get over, um, I don't know, and I don't want to give medical advice, but, uh, you know, yeah. say a head cold or something that hasn't got into your chest or anything, but it's just sort of a head cold. Yeah. Um, actually moves through your body much quicker if you get out there and run because you're moving your system, your blood's pumping faster, your heart, your breath. Yeah. And, you know, you're probably you're sweating it out. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 yeah. So it leaves your body quicker, I think, too. So there's there's elements of that, I think, involved, which, again, we don't know not, yeah. that much about the body and exactly why some yeah. of these things work as well <laughs> as they do. But uh, anecdotally, yeah. that's what I've found anyway. Mm. Yeah. And I think also in the back of my mind, too, I have, you know, Veronica wasn't meant to walk mm. and then she learnt to walk and then she needed a surgery and they said she'd never walk again and she learnt to walk again. Gosh. So on those days for me when running is tricky, I yeah. think if my child can learn to walk when she shouldn't, then I should be able to yeah. learn to run or continue no to run. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> It has been, and it, that's a great way to finish it off, actually, a little bit more inspiration from um, yours and Veronica's story, which is very inspiring, which I'm sure you already know. And uh, those people in Hobart <laughs> who know of you guys will know um, exactly how inspiring you are. So it has been a delight, Kylie, to talk to you and for you to Thank you for story. having me. Thank yeah. you. And hopefully we will meet yeah. in person sometime soon at the start of some silly event somewhere or maybe at parkrun down there i really need to get into parkrun tourism a bit yeah, yeah. around tassie done all the yes. western ones yeah i probably need or to come south at ross if it's on next year yeah of course yeah. meet halfway at ross yeah that's a good idea too i love it yeah all right <laughs> have the best uh what well, i don't even know what day it is we're because while we recorded this everybody we're in the middle of that christmas to new year period yeah. uh, so i think it's the middle of the week isn't it that's right i think it's a wednesday have a great week <laughs> yeah. whatever's left of it and enjoy your new we'll year do. and thank you yeah, so thank much you. for being on um don't jump off straight away because i will say goodbye to you yeah. the recording stuff. but thank you appreciate it thank you yeah, and run happy everyone Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.